All right, welcome back to the final half hour of Green Rush Live. I'm Jimmy Young, the regular sort of host of Green Rush Live, but I have two guest hosts that are also regulars with me, Doug Miller from New Jersey and Josh Kincaid from the Talking Hedge out of Washington State. But we are so happy to bring in a very special guest for the last half hour of this show, and his name is Quante Adams. And he spent a little time in the big house, as they say, and his story is quite compelling. Quante, welcome to the program. Welcome to Green Rush Live. And 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 can you please tell us how your life, what is your cannabis story in a, in a short time? Because I guess there's a movie, there's a movie coming out, and you got a book coming out too. Well, yeah, the books books actually already out. Uh, the movie's coming out this summer. But my cannabis story is I was sentenced to 35 years in federal prison for attempting to possess cannabis. So whoa, whoa, whoa. hang I on a second. I want to clarify that. I heard you say you were in jail. You got sentenced to 35 years for attempting to possess. Yes. I never even had it. Attempting oh. to possess. Yeah. Sentenced to 35 years. That's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Did this happen in California? In Illinois. Illinois. Federal. The gotcha. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So how do you feel now that it's a legal substance in Illinois and in <clears throat> California and in Massachusetts and in 21 other states? I mean, I think it's a good thing that, you know, that the states are, are you know, setting this trend to decriminalize marijuana and make people's lives a lot easier for people who actually consume it uh but while i was in there it was one of the most painful feelings to just be confined to prison for potentially the rest of my life while witnessing other people legally getting rich from the very same thing that i had done uh perhaps even to a greater degree than I had been sentenced to prison for. So it, it was it was hurtful. It was, uh, you know, mind boggling. But, you know, I had to tell myself that uh, if I'm in prison for something that's legal. So in a sense, it kind of it kind of gave me a little pep in my step because it made me realize that I was now in prison for something that wasn't a crime. <laughs> right. So it was like I, I was the good guy and the feds were the bad guys, you know, <laughs> because they had me in prison <laughs> for something that was no longer illegal. So yeah. that's well, how I used to get by. I understand. Hey, and I, and I, do you know that there's a form now that you can fill out to get that expunged, right? I mean, the, the president of the United States actually mentioned the word marijuana. <clears throat> First time in my life I've heard a president mention that. And, and while, you know, I'm not a big fan of the administration and how slow they have been, but at least he's trying to help out those that have been in unjustly in prison like yourself. Well, it, it doesn't apply to my case because it's for simple possession. So if you have if you have if you have attempted to possess with intent to distribute, it doesn't apply. So if you have possession with intent to distribute, it doesn't apply. So it doesn't affect as many people as as we hoped it would. But yeah. I mean it, it is a, it's a step forward because it does help some people. But 
hopefully uh, we can get more legislation or some more uh, administrative action by the president to actually help those who were not affected by this last uh, administrative act that he'd done. Yep. Hey, Josh, you got, Josh, you're on mute again, so don't forget to unmute yourself. There you go. Um, I'm sure you have a question. The, one of the coolest things about this, about Quante here, um, is he actually represented himself to get his release from jail. Go ahead, Josh. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, so, I mean, we we skipped over a, a big part. So before I ask you about, you know, you're your just diving in and, and learning and getting yourself out, I want to figure out how you got in because 35 years is insane. There's murderers that that have done less time than the time you did. Like you did 16 years or whatever. I, I've seen crazy things, you know, like, so I, I, I I, I need to fit, I need to understand intent to distribute gets you 35 years or something. Did you get set up? Like what did they do to yeah. get you for 35 years? Reverse thing set up by the feds. I was going to uh, purchase it and they arrested me. Okay. And how much were you going to volume? purchase? Yeah, obviously. It was a lot. It was like a lot. over 10 pounds, yeah. 20. Yeah, it was much more than that. <laughs> 50 to 100. Okay. Yeah, okay. but it was okay. intense. I get it, but still, that's insane. So you, you get in there, and then how long until you're like, okay, my lawyer sucks? Because they, they do. Like, for example, I, I went to a college town, drove six hours in, in, in the state of Washington, got there, and then this um, girl I was dating was like, here, hold my beer. And then these cops came and swarmed me and gave me an MIP and they saw it. They, just didn't, they didn't care. You know, so, I mean, I don't trust them as far as I could throw them. Um, what, what made you, and, and so my point of that is when I went to court, the attorney was getting laughed at. He didn't know what he was doing. I should have represented myself. That guy was a damn fool. When and how did you figure out that your attorney was a complete fool? <laughs> so it, it, it's a long story, but I can try to explain. So initially, when I first got arrested, I started trying to escape from prison. That's the way that I planned to get out. Uh, I found out that I had a child on the way. Uh, my daughter was conceived three weeks before I was arrested. So I just, wow. from that moment on, I just tried to escape every chance that I got. Uh, had some successful ones and uh, some famous escapes, uh, but eventually it was after I was in for approximately 16 years that I discovered a loophole and fired my attorney. Well, the attorney didn't believe in it. So I filed a motion with the court. The attorney said that it wasn't going to work. He didn't believe in it. So I fired my attorney, represented myself, and the judge agreed with me and let me out. Gave me immediate release. That's amazing. That's what were the terms weird. behind that? Can you explain like how how you found the loophole and maybe a little bit about what that was? Because well, other people can learn from that. Maybe your your yeah, movie it, book too can. Yeah, right now it's a common practice now in the federal system. It's under the compassionate release statute. Uh, there was some ambiguity there where so the compassionate release statute was enacted during Reagan's term, where when they abolished parole, they left the clause in there to where the Federal Bureau of Prisons could actually file a motion to request that a prisoner be released for extraordinary circumstances. 
And a lot of times those circumstances were defined when a prisoner was dying uh, on his deathbed, uh, had some type of terminal illness or couldn't take care of himself. But the problem was that the Federal Bureau of Prisons were only was only filing approximately 12 of these motions for prisoners every year. And in each situation, a prisoner actually died within six months from being released. <laughs> so in 2018, the Congress amended this statute and said that the prisoner himself can file the motion to the court if the Federal Bureau of Prisons refused to do so. So with that said, it opened up the door for prisoners to go directly to the court. However, there was still some ambiguity there because the Sentencing Commission was delegated the task of de defining what extraordinary and compelling reasons were. And at the time, during Trump's administration, there was no quorum. Most of the judges on the Sentencing Commission had retired. So the Sentencing Commission was behind Congress's act, which amended that statute. And so since there was no Sentencing Commission in place to define those extraordinary and compelling reasons, it was left for the judge to define it. And that was one of my arguments there was that it was the judge had the authority to define what extraordinary and compelling reasons were. And in my case, the fact that marijuana was being decriminalized in most states was one of the reasons that I suggested she rely upon in reducing my sentence. And that amongst other, other things, like the fact that I had a teenage daughter who needed me and I had created a bunch of curriculum and programs with inside of the prison to help rehabilitate other prisoners. And I had a movie coming out. I had published a book. So there was a lot of different things. And the judge agreed with me and granted the motion. Thank That's goodness awesome. for that judge. It, it, it gives me yeah. some faith. It gives me a little faith in our judicial system. Um, yeah. I, I, will, I, I will say it's more, it's under the microscope now more than ever before. Um, but it, 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 I heard another horrible, horrible story again um, recently about our justice system. And I, I don't want to get into that. I want to focus on you, Quante, if you don't mind. You do have a book. You wrote a book. Yeah. And you said it's already out. Can you get it on Amazon? Yeah. Is that, what's it called? It's called Chasing Freedom. And you can actually get the book from my website. So I, the book idea came about because... After I escaped the last time, the National Geographic Channel produced a documentary about that escape and they aired it around the world. And I started receiving a bunch of mail from people who were touched by my story. They didn't agree with the lengthy sentence that I had. And a lot of them believe that I was too smart and too much of an asset to society to be confined to prison for 35 years. <laughs> so on one hand, we had people whom I'd never met believing in me. And on the other hand, we had a criminal justice system which said that I was worthless to society. So 
I decided that I was going to write this book to give the world me. I wanted everybody to understand who I was and who I am at the moment. And the way for me to do that was by to tell my story and to give people uh, historical facts on how I actually grew up and things that made me the person that I was. And nobody's born evil. Nobody's born a drug dealer. Nobody's born a criminal. <laughs> it's just certain circumstances that tend to direct us down certain paths. And I grew up in one of those communities where there weren't many opportunities, if any. Uh, my father was gang members. My family were gang members. Unemployment was probably 90% in my community. And so selling marijuana and drugs was one of the only ways that I saw for a young black man to actually be financially successful. And that's how I began to sell drugs. And I just wanted people to understand that and understand where I came from before they decided to judge me as this threat to society. And so I put everything on paper, self-published the book. And ironically, at the time that I was writing this book, I felt free. This is the freest I ever felt because I was being vulnerable. I opened myself up to the world. Before you couldn't pay me to talk. You couldn't pay me to take a picture. You know what I said? I was extremely introverted and I was extremely underground. I didn't want any type of publicity. <laughs> and so after the National Geographic channel did the documentary and I started receiving this little degree of fame or infamy, whatever you want to call it, I felt like I was compelled to just come out and let people know who I was. And I felt free. And so at that moment, I realized that I'd have been pursuing freedom the wrong way. I thought that money would free me. Being able to make money, move out of the projects, move out of the ghetto, do things for my family, I thought that was freedom. I thought that escaping from prison and being out to raise my daughter was freedom. But as I was writing this book, I realized that freedom is something you find within inside. And I found freedom in solitary confinement. And so I titled the book Chasing Freedom, D-U-M, because I'd have been pursuing it the wrong way. And I self-published that book when I was in prison. And to this day, I'm still uh, selling that book on my website. And that book was optioned for a feature film, which uh, is the movie that'll be coming out this summer. It's fantastic. Well, and also, as I look at your bio and your story's incredible, and it's going to be a great movie. It's obviously going to be a great book because it's your your life and your 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 whole story. But it says here you run a nonprofit for at-risk kids. Um, tell us a little bit about that work. Yeah, I'm working with the ICANN Youth Foundation and what our mission is to keep kids off of the streets and give them opportunity by mentorship and being involved in sports programs. I'm also the president of the Chase and Freedom Foundation, which also does somewhat of the same and also help get nonviolent prisoners, uh, nonviolent drug offenders out of prison and help them reintegrate into society. 
Now, now, you, now you're doing God's work. You know that, right? Yeah, that's the purpose. That's fantastic. Doug, you got something for Quante? I'm sure you do. Yeah, I'm just intrigued by your story because that's fascinating. But uh, the fact that you fired an attorney and then just went and represented yourself is just some ballsy things to do because most people are like, the attorney tells you something and you're just like, all right, that's the way it goes. And you just kept on going at yeah. it and figured it out. I mean, and to get the judge to actually agree with you. And that's a pretty, and just the timing of it all, like you said, the whole Trump administration was missing that panel. So they didn't have a choice. They had to go to the judge <laughs> at that point. So you are just the time. It's just an amazing story of just, but I mean, the fact that, I mean, they set you up and they gave you that much time for a plant that they legalized down the road it's just absurd and just shows you that our judicial system just has things wrong almost every time <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah I, I concur with that and everything happens for a reason so it's all a blessing it's all it, everything is meant to direct you where you're supposed to be in life and, and what kind of before, relationship oh sorry go ahead before I was you know I was going down the wrong path so I needed this kind of gave me, it actually gave me, helped me find my meaning and purpose in life. So I'm, I'm fortunate to have gone through it. Wow. And I, I was going to ask, since you had that time away from your daughter, you were saying that's a lot of time. What kind of relationship? Because you have to really build a relationship. You were out of her life from a lot of her childhood. So yeah, how, did that's that, how did that transition? That, so out of everything that I've been through, Escaping from a maximum security prison while confined to a cell with a camera in it. Represent myself, get myself out of prison. Getting out, raising millions of dollars to produce a star-studded movie. The most difficult thing I had to do was build that relationship with my daughter. Because you're talking about a 15-year-old girl who never spent a day with me yeah. and so you know the hormones and the attitudes of a 15 year old girl and Doug, you're not familiar with that age her. are you Doug <laughs> I have a 13 year old so I know exactly <laughs> and I, and that's why I was kind of I, I didn't know how old your daughter was but that's why and I, I, I warn parents her. about the 15 year old female year it is the most <laughs> challenging year of my it life. is, it is, <laughs> and, and you so, just show up in her life all of a sudden, and now she's gonna just take it out all out on you because you were not there, and you kind of get it, but you try to, you know, make up but, for it. I mean, that's why. That's crazy. She definitely was crazy about me. She always loved me and was just wanted me. Uh, so when I got out, I got full custody of her. And so the challenge, though, was dealing with the trauma that she had been through while I was in prison. Right. And also, I had to learn how to be a little bit more sensitive and compassionate because coming from prison where you're in this masculine, hardcore environment where you're taught not to express any emotion other than anger, and where you, you're pretty much taught not to put up with anybody's sensitivity or bullshit. You know, I don't want to hear no sensitive bullshit. But, you know, now I had to do a 180-degree change coming straight out of prison and to where I had to be more understanding, more compassionate, 
more sensitive, express more, you know, of the tender emotions, things that I wasn't allowed to express in prison. So it was a big challenge, but definitely one that I conquered. And, you know, everything turned out well. I'm 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 just amazed at your story in so many ways. I'm, I'm really I did I usually do a lot more research on people that I talk to, but I I had a feeling based on what Steve had shared with me about your story that I was like, oh my god, I just can't wait to talk to this guy. Can we go back to the fact you and you mentioned this now in a few a few times in our in our discussion here, the escape from prison. Okay, it yeah. wasn't your first it wasn't your first attempt. You said right? No. Yeah. So. How how did this? Can you walk us through it? I mean, you know, yeah. I've I mean, again, I've I've watched Shawshank Redemption probably five thousand <laughs> times, right? Andy, you know, going through all the crap and the sewer and all that. I mean, I don't think it was like that. But tell me, tell me how challenging this had to be for you. It was it was extremely challenging. But one thing I learned about life is that. We as human beings, we are good at everything that we have to do. When we have to do something, when we need to do it, we'd be surprised how good we are. And at the time, that's all I thought about. From the moment I found out that I had a child on the way and that I was expected to spend the rest of my life in prison for marijuana. Only thing I thought about was escaping. From the moment I woke up to the moment I went to sleep, and even in my dreams, everything was geared toward escaping from prison. So with that mindset, I picked up on everything. I observed how many footsteps a guard would have to take to get to the end of the hallway. I observed everybody's action. I listened to everything. I studied every building. I would sit, count bricks, and, you know, I was size of everything. And so the more I did that, I think it started coming to me. Just it opened my mind up to different ways to execute an escape. So hmm. after a couple of times and getting caught, the marshals transferred me to maximum security. They locked me in a cell 24 hours a day. And inside of the cell, they had a surveillance camera to watch me and make sure that I wouldn't try to escape again. But I managed to pull off what they considered to be one of the most ingenious prison breaks in United States history. And I got away and they started calling me Houdini. And <laughs> And then, so actually, you know, if you viewers all can go watch the documentary, it's on my website because that's the National Geographic actually did a website, uh, did the documentary about that. Fantastic. And so I don't, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who wants to go watch it after listening to this show. So all right, boss, go so. Details for that. <laughs> So you you get out of prison. I'm curious if you've been if you've had the chance to go into a store and see what's being sold legally. I don't know if that if you're able to what what the deal is. Um, but are, have you been able to check it out? What's your opinion of, about the market? Have, have you seen it, or are you just resentful that it put you in prison for that long? Hmm. 
No, nah, I'm not resentful at all. Ain't no resenting me at all. Yeah, I've been inside of, of several uh, dis dispensaries. Uh, I've been keeping up a little bit with what's going on in the industry. Uh, and you just look at it like this is trash. I could have sold way better stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I think now the shit is way much better now. They're throwing hmm. some home shit now, right? <laughs> well, you've been in prison for a long time. I bet your home grows way better. The, the yeah. dispensaries are trash, man. Trust me. How how old yeah. were you? How old were you, Quante, when you got set up? I was twenty eight. Twenty eight. Okay. Wow. Twenty eight. I'm just doing a little math. That's all right. Uh, I got you. So I now know how old you are and everything. But um, what what do you want? What do you want to accomplish now that you've accomplished so much? You've identified this, this humans, humans are great when they have to do something is one of the reasons why I have such respect for single mothers of children, because yeah. they have no choice, right? They have no choice. They have to do it, right? Yeah. And I, I'm amazed by that. I wrote that down. I just want you to know, I'm, I'm using that as a quote for you, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. And my thing now is just to get out here, share my story and inspire people and teach people how to be resilient because life is however we perceive it, no matter where we are, or what we're going through. If we can just find ways to think positively and optimistically about our experiences, it creates positive vibration, which attracts more positivity and when you're in that positive mood, you are better off at overcoming whatever circumstances you are going through. If you don't, if you think in negative, then it, it makes it extremely impossible for you to overcome it. So that's I just want to travel and speak and share my story and hopefully inspire other people to do the same thing. Well, can you imagine in this day and age, they had you in maximum security with a security camera because you were set up for cannabis and we couldn't keep Epstein alive? Like, this is mind boggling to me <laughs> that they put you in there and you were able to get out. This dude gets killed somehow and everybody's sitting there looking around like, oh, nobody knows what happened. That's kind of amazing when you really think about it. You were in there for a plant. And they had you in that much security because you could escape. It's kind of funny. It's laughable, actually. Do you sue? Do you sue the federal government for this? Nah. No. Nah, okay. I, I was just wondering nah. if you did. Get yourself a good lawyer. Yeah, I would have to think you have a great lawsuit. I mean, that's insane. They basically imprisoned you for something that's legal now, but yeah. that's another story. Yeah, but I mean, that just for for the government or a court to except such a lawsuit would pretty much cripple the criminal justice system because there's another 100,000 guys just like me spread out somewhere <laughs> who should be coming after them with this uh, war on drugs. That's right. Now, and, and I'm sure you're familiar with Steve D'Angelo and his last prisoner project that's uh, out there, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've, I've met, met some of them. Yeah. yeah. They're good people. All right. Well, hey, Quante Adams, first of all, what's the website that we can get your book and see your story? It's QuanteBoscoAdams.com. So wait, I'm going to spell it. I'm going to spell it. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. All right. Q-U-A-W-N-T-A-Y 
And then it's Bosco, B-O-S-C-O, and then Adams, A-D-A-M-S. Uh, and it's .com, right? Correct. Fantastic. Correct. And uh, wow, I got to tell you, this, this, these stories are why I love what I'm doing now. It's very simple. We want to give people like you, anybody who has been uh, incarcerated unjustly, and this is how I look at you, your story for sure, has an opportunity to tell their story. And yours is extremely compelling. And I wish you the best of luck. And I want to tell you right now, anytime you need a forum, you just call me or Steve Goldner, okay? And you can, uh, you're, you're welcome here on this program. Uh, and that's why we built this network to tell the stories of the cannabis industry in their own words, in people's own words. Because coming from media from 30, 40 years in newsrooms, I'm still fighting the my old friends that they would even notice what I'm doing in the cannabis space. And that <laughs> has become a bad, in a legal liberal state like Massachusetts, I still have to fight that. But that's part of what, part of the journey, right? The, right, it's part of the journey that yeah. we're all in together. So the great anyway. things don't come easy. That is so you true. And it, go ahead. Last and word. And it, and it takes a coalition of people to get behind greatness. It's up to us to push it. If we don't, then we'll be swamped and overcome with negativity. So I think it's our obligation to kind of balance our society. <laughs> well, we got we still have a lot of balance that we have to work yeah. on for sure. But uh, Quante, it was great to talk to you. You ended this show perfectly. We do have uh, our live news coming up next uh, on, on our network. So I, I want to have people certainly stay tuned for that. So for Josh Kincaid and, and Doug Miller, I'm Jimmy Young. Thank you so much for watching another edition of Green Rush Live. We talk news coming up right now. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, my name is Leah Babrudi, and I'm the founder and host of Chicks Podcast, where I discuss cannabis, psychedelics, and other natural medicines. I not only interview people who use them as treatment for different conditions, but also the entrepreneurs who share their knowledge on how they built their businesses. If this sounds interesting to you, give my show a listen. I'm sure you'll learn something that'll surprise you.